Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with game designer Andy Kim. Andy's new game title, The Spill, is on Kickstarter and is being published by Smirk and Dagger. Today, we're going to talk about it. Andy, welcome to The Binge. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, it is awesome having you. This is, uh, I am excited to talk about this one. And you're a fellow Canadian. I always love to get the fellow Canadians on here. (laughs) Oh, Canada. (laughs) Yeah, it was awesome. After uh, we chatted with uh, Joe Slack, he was actually talking up this game and uh, he was excited (laughs) about it. And I said, well, can can you connect us? I'd love to talk to him about this uh, on the podcast. (laughs) So yeah, he's able to connect us, which I thought was just awesome. So, so happy to have you on the show talking about this. As a game designer, what, kind of what's your background? Like, how did you get into gaming in the first place? I know this goes back to like, I think 2005, right? Is that when you started gaming? I, well, funny enough, um, I've been gaming all my life. It's just that like before 2005, it was just basically like, you know, your monopolies, your risk, your yeah. scrapples, you know, your, your retail games. But then 2005, someone introduced me to this game called Catan oh. and and then basically it went from there. I was just like, what? They just blew my mind. I was just like, what yeah. is this? I told every one of my friends, everyone, I just said, I want this game called Catan. And then my sister-in-law said, I got it for you, but she didn't get me Catan. I opened up the present, like it was for my birthday and it wasn't Catan. I was like, what is this? It's called Carcassonne. I'm like, oh, okay, I don't know God, what this. Yeah. So I was going to return it. But thank goodness I didn't because I was going to like trade it in for Catan, but I looked at the back of the box and I was like, this, this looks different too. So I played it. And I was like, this is amazing. Oh, and then the so, sounds great. I actually have on the shelf right here behind me. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. well, yeah, no, that's, that thing's never leaving my shelf, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, and then basically it grew into what you see behind me here. It just kept growing. The collection just kept growing and growing. So you got the bug with the gateway games then, I guess, eh? Oh, I did. Yes. <laughs> Big time. <laughs> yeah. It's shocking the number of times I hear people say that uh, Catan is kind of their, their entry in. Cause I was kind of on the, like almost at the beginning of the indie publishing, right? Yeah. In this industry. And um, I mean, we're Catan out in my family. We've got all the expansions <laughs> and uh, it has not come out on the table. Uh, probably I would say in four years. Uh, it got to the point where just everyone was battling and you're starting to get some yeah. sour feelings and we're like, all right, we're, uh, <laughs> we, we're Catan do we're, we're done with Catan, but uh, well, actually we introduced it to our kids recently. So now they're, they're liking it. So they've yeah. been playing it, but they have a lot of other choices too. So oh, <laughs> that's fun. a great game. It's a classic, but so you started, so that got you into kind of gaming. And then when did you start uh, kind of designing games? Is this something you've been tinkering with kind of even over the past or when did that kind of come to fruition? Well, it's funny because before um, I went into computer sciences um, because what I wanted to do with my life was be a computer game designer. I wanted to make video games, Uh, but that didn't pan out. I found out how much work that is. Like people don't sleep in the computer game industry and stuff. So I just, you know, I didn't uh, um, think anything of it. I just became a computer developer and stuff. But then one day um you know when i got into gaming and like mm. designer board gaming uh, um i was in the zoo i was at the zoo the you know the metro toronto zoo um yep. i'm sure you've visited several times I've with been my there family tons of times yeah yes <laughs> and you know how big their parking lot is it's humongous oh yeah we lo- we lost our car we had no idea where our car was and so my family and i were just wandering around and the, the thought that came into my head wasn't 
oh no, how are we going to get home? It was, I wonder if this could be a game. <laughs> like, I wonder <laughs> if we can make this into a game. And that's where it all sort of started. I, I, I basically came back home. I started thinking about how can like finding a car in a parking lot become a game? And a game called Valet was born. Uh, from oh, that was cool. my first design. So it was it was a game where you basically have tiles that have all these different cars, and you're supposed to look around for like you have to. It's kind of like a hide and like um, where's Waldo meets tile laying. Um, yeah. So that's what it was uh, all about. Um, and so that was my first design. And then Did from you there, publish I just, it anywhere? Or? I put it in front of a lot of publishers. Um, no one bit. <laughs> no one. No one bit on it. Um, it's it. It needs some polish. It's on the shelf right now. But uh, it's. Yeah. Um, I've actually re, um, rethemed it. Um, so now it, because like my kids are really into pets and animals and the environment yeah. and all that stuff, and so I've sort of rethemed it as a pet rescue thing. I don't know. I know it's, it's like how does that even work? But it's basically we're. I'm still working out the kinks for it. But I don't know. Maybe with the new fresh coat of paint it'll uh it'll uh it'll work out <laughs> so that was the first game now did you have a game bef- uh, another one like after that between that and the spill or what kind of what came after that yeah oh uh we had a bunch I, i've had a bunch of them i had that one i had one where um <laughs> i know uh some of my colleagues like joe and sen uh they like to uh, talk about this one uh called um uh what's it called uh, uh amaze balls um <laughs> uh, my wife came up with that name but it's basically think that of, is of, awesome please tell me you trademarked <laughs> that <laughs> i don't know I, I, but basically it's it's a it's it's a connect four type of thing where you're dropping pieces down these chutes but the yeah. pieces are pieces of a maze and so okay. when you drop them they form a maze and then at the after you've formed the tower um you basically drop marbles down and it just goes down these chutes that's cool so yeah. So it's, it's a monster of a game. Like it's, it's humongous. And I haven't got a lot of publishers biting on that mainly because a lot of them come back to me and say, that's going to be way too expensive to publish. Yeah. So I'm looking for ways to make it so that it's a little more retailable, I guess, uh, yeah. a little more yeah, cost effective. So still looking into that one. Um, there's one that I'm working on that involves a Rubik's cube. Um, I know I, I like to think sort of out of the box, like just think what kind of yeah. game is not out there right now. So that's. <laughs> Did you do any so small contained games at all? Like anything like, like much smaller or was it all kind of these kind of uh, abstract kind of ideas? Well, these, these games that I made they're they're not huge. They're not like your big, um, like some of the games I like to play are like gigantic, big, deep strategy games. Like yeah. my aim is usually family weight around yeah. that because I, I guess because of my kids, I play with my kids a lot. And so, um, and I just really enjoy the whole family aspect of gaming. Um, so that's sort of where I gear. I do have some ideas for some deeper strategy stuff, but I'm still working on some of those ideas. Oh, that's awesome. So then when did the idea for the spill kind of come about? So I was at some sort of board game meetup. Um, it was, uh, I forget, I can't remember the group that was sort of sponsoring this event, but I was at sure. this event 
and I was on my drive home. And uh, one thing about me is that when I discovered this thing called a dice tower, like a thing where you drop dice into this yeah. thing and it comes out, I just love, I, I fell in love with dice towers. I just love them. Yeah. So I was driving home and an idea popped in my head, just a weird idea just said, I wonder if I can make a dice tower that can drop in four different directions. And so I was noodling about in my head. And then when I got home, I just started tearing up cardboard and starting putting this, like, like a madman. And yeah. my wife, my wife could tell you this, probably the story because she probably saw me and just like, what are you doing? And so I put together this, I constructed this dice tower, four-way dice tower, put it on the table, threw some dice in and it like, I threw four dice in and they all came out in four different directions. And I was, it was kind of like this Eureka, it works moment. And I was just like, oh my goodness, this is so awesome. And my wife's like, oh my goodness, that's great. And, and then my thought was, what am I going to do with this? <laughs> and so, so that's where it came from. And at first I was going to theme it with like a and d type of thing where like mm -hmm. the dice tower is like this portal and monsters are coming out and we have to defend, like, you know, we have to basically fight back the monsters and stuff. But it just seems so like there's so many games that have like that sort of dwarves, ogres, like that type of yeah. theme to it. So I just asked my wife, like, what what behaves in that manner where something flows out outwards and then you have to fight back? And then she just the first thing she thought of was like, what about an oil spill? And it just clicked. It just yeah. clicked right there and, and the game mechanisms and everything. And there were so many things. I said, oh, we can have like animals around the thing and you have to, you have to rescue and stuff. So, and then we can be on the outside. And, so, and just, just from that one idea and from that dice tower thing, like the, ru the rules weren't ironed out yet, but the idea came to fruition like within a day. And then so it was just development after that. Um, so that's, yeah, that's how the that spell is amazing. was born. That is amazing. Yeah. So had you checked around, like, did you, was there anything out there like that in terms of like a four-way uh, dice tower? Like, did it exist I, or? I did not see anything like that. I I, I did check. Um, I even, um, I remember when I showed it at uh, Fan Expo, uh, there was like a, a designer, um, was it, what is it, what was it, publisher uh, speed dating? So it's these places where designers go and they show off their game and publishers come by. And uh, one of them, uh, one of the publishers that came by, it was actually um, Jonathan from uh, designer of uh, Dinosaur, Dinosaur Island yep. or Dinosaur World. Um, he looked at it and he's like, oh, you did it. And he was just saying that he'd been trying to do that, like figure out something like this for a while. And so, um, so I don't think there's anything like that out there, like some, what I, what Spill has. So, so yeah, well, certainly if, if I there think is, that, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, as a mechanic, I think the the variety that could be built out of that, right? In terms of just themes and mm -hmm. concepts, like as a core kind of start to the game, um, man, that that is a really, really cool idea. Mm -hmm. So your wife mentions to you that, hey, this reminds me of an oil spill. And then you start chatting about how, well, let's throw some animals in here getting covered in, in oil slicks and see if we mm -hmm. can uh, clean them up. Mm -hmm. Was it a, a point where you had to then start doing research on oil spills and environmental cleanup? Or did you have some experience in that uh, already in the past? Or how did that kind of knowledge base built out? Well, the thing was, we're, our family is very uh, like pro 
doing stuff for the environment. Like we've always been like, especially my kids, my kids love the planet. I love keeping creatures. My, my son actually cries when a creature dies. Like we had, we saw a bird on the ground and he was just sobbing. And so they, like my family has a real love for animals and, and things. And we've seen like video footage of, you know, animals being covered in oil. So it, it was, it is an emotional point for a lot of my family. I, I'm not as big of an animal person as my family is, but because of them, I think I'm more of an animal person. Um, and so, and, but like, you know, we are like, I, I'm a Christian. And so I basically believe that God gave us stewardship over this planet. And I think sure. we're doing a really horrible job at it. And so yeah. I think we can do a lot more to help the environment and, and it's got to last for our kids and stuff. Right. So I want the kids to be able to live on a planet that actually exists still. And, you know, it's not completely polluted. So, so in, in that sense, it's a little part of the environment that's, you know, it's addressing. I know there's a lot more things about greenhouse grasses and all that stuff, but um, yeah. So, you know, I was doing a little re- bit of research here and there just to figure out like, um, like, especially for some of the cards, I have to figure out what do people actually use to fight oil spills? <laughs> and yeah. So like to make it th- thematic. So there was a lot of research there just to see what people actually do. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. So with, um, with this campaign, you, you've, you've reached, uh, looks like $62,000, uh, mm-hmm. on a goal of 19,000. Uh, so congratulations on that. You guys you. absolutely murdered your goal on, uh, on this campaign, <laughs> 885 backers, and you have seven days to go. Um, I'm going to show the people that are watching either live or on the playback, your Kickstarter page here, just so they can see how cool this, uh, this dice tower looks and how it literally looks like it, like an oil drill right in the middle of the ocean, yeah. like a, like a drilling platform, which is quite clever. Um, walk us through kind of the core idea of how you play this game. So the dice are, are they're black dice and they represent the oil coming, gushing out of the platform. Uh, the oil, the, um, there's, so there's four different uh, uh, quadrants mm-hmm. in the game, four different quadrants, and each quadrant is separated into six sectors. The sectors are numbered, and mm-hmm. so as you can imagine, as the dice fall into a quadrant, the number represents where they're going to go. And so mm-hmm. they get placed into the certain spots. If there's already a die there, then it goes outwards, and so that's, that simulates the flowing outwards of oil. We are on the out, uh, the players cooperatively work together as they go around the board, addressing the urgency, uh, the issues on each sector. Each sector has animals that might need to be rescued. And so if an oil lands on an animal, the animal gets flipped over. And on the backside of the, uh, the, the token, you see the same graphic of the animal, but covered with oil. And so... Yeah it makes it harder to rescue that animal because you need to clean it up and stuff. So thematically that's what's going on. And so everyone works together to clean, uh, to rescue the animals, to push the oil back and to also remove the oil permanently from the board, which is how you're going to win. There's lots of ways to lose. If you get overwhelmed with the oil, you can lose that way. If you lose too many animals, uh, you can lose that way too. Um, But we do have some win conditions you can win by or if once the bag of dice is emptied out and you don't have any lose conditions existing, that's another way to win as well. 
So with this game, you have, so it's a co-op, right? And yeah. um, with, uh, and I think there's, I guess there has to be a solo mode if it's players, one to, one to four players. Mm-hmm. Um, my understanding from watching the different videos on, on, the, on the playthrough <clears throat> is that mm-hmm. um, the, the stress increases <laughs> as you go through this game, right? So mm-hmm. if you have, I think it's called a spill out. Is that, is that the yes. terminology? It's a proper spill out? Yeah. So if you've got like one row where the oil kind of fills in and gets mm-hmm. right to the edge of the board, that's a spill out. And then you've got this dial that then moves up saying, well, we got a spill out. Well, guess what? Now things just got a lot harder. We're going to add even more oil to this, uh, mm-hmm. to this spill as it's going to pour. So more oil for you to manage. So it's almost like if you're not kind of take, you got to take care of multiple things at one time. You're trying to rescue animals, yes. but if you're not kind of trying to take care of the spill, you, you're, you're going to start you, you getting gotta, real panicky, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, as, as that dial moves up, like depending on which we, we provided three levels, uh, three difficulty levels. So, yeah. and the easy level, your your dice doesn't increase as quick rapidly. Okay. Whereas in the very hardest level, you can be dropping like six dice at a time, which is it, it's it, it's doable. You can still win, but it's hard. It's very hard to win through that. But yeah, if you don't control that, uh, the oil, the oil, the oil is going to come get you. And it's the, the more spillets you have, and that's one of the lose conditions. You have, if you have too many spillets by the end of your turn that's a lose condition. And that's just basically, you just couldn't control yet, uh, the oil. It almost reminds me of like that. It was a, uh, I love Lucy uh, episode where she's on the, uh, the conveyor belt and the cupcakes are flying off and she's eventually <laughs> having to just eat them to keep them from, from falling off the end of the yeah. conveyor. It's kind of, you're in a situation like this as these dice, you keep adding more and more dice and you're trying to manage this as you go around. <laughs> now, how do you handle, so each person has like a boat and is that represent mm-hmm. like where you are on the board then or? Yes, yes. So basically, um, every sector has uh, four different regions. So the first, the inner three regions is where the oil goes and where the animal tokens go. And mm-hmm. the animal tokens are set up at the beginning of the game. The, the last um, part in the sector is where your boat travels. And so your ba- boat travels uh, sector, sector. So on your turn, you can move you can rescue an animal or you can push dice um, like oil back into the bag, which temporarily is the pain. <laughs> but um, the last thing you can do is completely remove the, uh, the oil. But that takes three action points. Everyone has four action points um, in, to use during their turn. So you have to be really strategized. Uh, how you want to use those actions, just like any good co-op, I guess. And uh, but uh, yeah, removing that dice, uh, removing the oil from the game is how you're going to win. But it's painful because it's it's you know that's more than half of your turn uh, just to do that. When you and kudos to whoever did these uh, these animations that you have on the page. These gifs mm-hmm. are unbelievable probably some of the smoothest mm-hmm. animations i've seen so whoever smirk and mm-hmm. dagger hired for that uh good <laughs> yeah. job it looks uh it looks pretty awesome um mm-hmm. balls, i guess would be the word <laughs> yes <laughs> from earlier on um so when you built this how did you create your initial prototypes was it like cutting out paper was it doing it in a digital format did you use like almost like a game crafter or how did you create your initial prototypes for this well, funny, I didn't discover GameCrafter until after this, which I wish okay. I, I wish I had discovered GameCrafter before that. So it was basically just uh, like cutting cardboard. Like I, I bought um, 
uh, I forget what it's called. Like it's it's just basically this thicker cardboard from Amazon. I just bought like a whole stack of that. Uh, I started printing paper and pasting it on there, cutting it up, and just building a dice tower out of cardboard, um, and just creating the board from uh, scratch as well. And so that's how I made my prototype. Um, but everything was yeah, just basically handmade. I just cut everything and just got an exacto knife and just. <laughs> It was, it was a crafting job. I, I got in, my wife just jokes that I got into more crafting after starting to design than uh, uh, like she ever did. So You went old so school doing, on this one, I guess. I did, I did. I'm doing arts and crafts with my kids right now. <laughs> so. So how did you get connected with Smirk and Dagger? So what? take me through the process of, okay, now you got this game. Mm -hmm. um, you've kind of worked out all the kinks and you know it's got a great concept. How did you get from there to having Smirk and Dagger say, we're going to launch this on Kickstarter. We love it. So we, so I basically brought it out to uh, Fan Expo first. Fan Expo has these, you know, this, uh, the uh, publisher speed dating thing. So I showed it there. Uh, there was a lot of interest, but one of the big um, uh, sort of conventions that we have in Toronto mm -hmm. is called Proto TO. Yeah which is where designers come to prototype. I'm sure Joe talked about it maybe in his oh, yeah. previous podcast or me, I'm not sure, but, um, but I brought it to, I brought it there and that's, we had a, a couple people playing the game and I remember uh, Kurt, Kurt Covert from Smirk and Dagger. Uh, he was, he was, he was, he came up to Canada to basically take a look at the games that were being uh, showcased and he looked, took one look at my game and he's just kind of standing there and I'm just looking at him because I had met him before uh, yeah. at Origins. I was down at Origins. So I had met him before for a previous prototype. He didn't uh, bite on one of my previous ones, but he was standing there and I was like, do you want to play? Uh, like, you know, do you like what you see? And he's like, I, I want the next game. <laughs> so, so he sat down and played. And I remember I had another publisher who was going to get back to me in about a month. Uh, if they wanted to, if they wanted to get this film, and it was called Black Waves at the time. The, the original title for this game was Black Waves. And so, after Kurt had played it, I said, "Do you have anyone else in mind for publishing this game?" And I said, "Well, there's another publisher, but they said they won't get back to me for a month." And he's and he just turned to me and said, "I, I don't need a month. I know I want it right now." <laughs> so wow. I yeah so I. I was floored and so I didn't know what to do. And so a lot of people advised me, but anyways, long story short, we uh, shook hands at that, uh, at, at Proto TO and uh, uh, a contract was sent to me and um, signed the contract and um, end this history. Good <laughs> for him history. On, on recognizing uh, a winner when he sees it. Hopefully mm -hmm. it wasn't one of those situations where he slides a contract across the table and says, I want it. I want it now. I got 30 <laughs> seconds to decide. <laughs> right? So, <laughs> Yeah, but no, but, he was very gracious. He gave me time. He gave me yeah. a lot of time, but I was just like, no, you know what? I have a good feeling. And uh, yeah. So. Yeah. And he's got a, uh, I mean, they got uh, quite a robust uh, catalog of winners, right? So mm -hmm. we have someone like that come up to TO and say, you know what? We want this in our portfolio. I think that's a testament to you, right? In your game design and, and what you brought <laughs> forward. Was there any changes that they made? Was there anything that they said, you know what, now, because for people listening, uh, when you sign mm -hmm. on with a, a publisher, you're giving them the right to the game and they can make changes mm -hmm. to that game, anything they want. Most are collaborative, right? When they're mm -hmm. dealing with the designer, but they do have kind of the final say. Was there yeah. any changes in this particular game that uh, Smirk and Dagger recommended or suggested? 
Oh, for sure. Um, we uh, and he's very collaborative. Uh, Kurt's very yeah. collaborative when he works Good with guy. his designers, and um, we've um, there has been a lot of changes. Uh, there's been some great ideas that we uh, that are in the game now that weren't in the in the game. Um, the winning Such conditions as? is one yeah. of them. Uh, okay. So the different win conditions. Actually, before there was no win conditions. There was only one way to win. It was get to the end of the bag and and not lose. And it just didn't sit well with me because I was like. I didn't feel like I was winning. I just felt like I wasn't losing. And so um, so we thought of ways if we can figure out a way that we can determine that, yes, we won the game. And so that came about that way. Yeah. Um, the item cards, um, how that was done was mm. it went through lots of iterative changes. Uh, before it was just everyone had a kind of like pandemic, you know how you have your cards in your hand. You didn't really know who had what and it was just played. and it just didn't work well with like, I, I didn't like it. And um, I wasn't sure if Kurt liked it all either, but I just, that was one thing that didn't work for me. So we tried different things and it was just um, one, one day I just thought of what if we do it in the way that it's in the game and we tried it out and it was just night and day. It was just like, that's, that's it. That, that's what we want to do. And so there's certain ideas that just snap and it's just like, that is perfect. It just works perfectly for this game. Um, and the other one was the one of the um, uh, mechanisms that I have in this game that it's funny, a lot of people really like this mechanism is being able to take extra actions, but paying for it afterwards. It's the next player that pays for that action, because what happens is if you take one or two extra turns, the yeah. next player has to drop one or two extra dice. And it's interesting yeah. because then you like, um, like a lot of games, you have your actions, like, um, what was that, the fire one, the uh, fire rescue? Mm. I, is it fire rescue? I can't remember the name of that game, excuse me. But um, basically that one is you can not take an action and reserve for later. But mine uh, is basically, you can take the actions now, but you got to pay for it afterwards. And so um, it's, it's, it's a really cool mechanism. It works really well because it, you, like there's certain times where you're going to be like, I really need to do this. I really yeah. need to save this animal, but can we afford to drop an extra die? And we're only dropping six already and stuff. So, you know, sometimes you just got to let the turtle so, go, I guess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so how does it feel to, you, uh, you guys got an amazing artist on this. How, how did it feel to finally oh. see the final art on this? Uh, you must've been pretty stoked. I, I was stoked when Kurt told me we got Quantum Moria. Um, yeah. I, like as soon as he said that name, I was like, "You got who?" Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I, I'm a huge fan of his work. Like some of his art from a lot. Of, like I do have a bunch of his games uh, that that has his art. So I was so floored. And then when I saw the final product, I was, I, I was just like, "This is so amazing." I I couldn't have asked for better artwork for this. Like I couldn't even imagined what I got. So I was so excited when I saw it. Oh, the game is beautiful. And uh, we got oh, Darren Wong in the, in, the, in the lobby here. He's uh, saying him and his family looking forward to playing the game. Mike Bruner, mm -hmm. again, complimentary of, uh, of, the, of the design of this game and how it looks. So mm -hmm. again, congrats on all of that. Um, oh, thank you. Where do you go from here? You're on quite a high, obviously, but you are a designer, right? So you got to have yeah. something else in the pipe. What's <laughs> what's coming next? There's a few. I'm 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 working on some of the ones that were on the back burner, but there's one, and I've been telling a lot of people. I really got to really get moving on it, but I'm working on one where it's basically you're running a spa, 
<laughs> and it's a <laughs> different thing that you're running a spa, you're putting your own spa, you're, you're going to get, you know, hire staff to do massages and get massage rooms and things like that. But I am incorporating and I'm using the dice tower again. Except it's going. To, I, I'm being ambitious. It's going to be a six-way dice tower this time around. Wow. Um, but it it's going to have a very different feel. It's uh, this is sort of my. Uh, this is the one I've been sort of working up to, but it's I'm I really want to get this one right. So it's, it's taking a while. It's been I've been working noodling it around for a couple of years now. So it's just it's been going through, and so I'm starting to get stuff on Game Crafter to to get uh, working on it. So hopefully it'll hit the table soon. I, I'm just impressed with your ability to take just the average thing, like walking through a parking lot at a, uh, you know, at the zoo or, you know, going to the spa and saying, Hmm, that, that sounds like there's a board game in there somewhere. Like I, I, that's incredible to me. I, congratulations, man. That, that is just awesome. Thank you. Clearly you're creative in your design. <laughs> um, you know, just from what you've explained to the podcast here, I, I'm, I'm super excited to see whatever you come up with, because I know that you're not just going to look at the design or the theme, but you're looking at even injecting in things into some of these games that have never been done before. So, you know, kudos to you on that and congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, I just want to say for anybody that is uh, watching or listening, we're going to put a link to this, uh, to this actual Kickstarter uh, in our show notes, right? So you don't have to go searching for it. If you do want to go searching for it, go to Kickstarter, type in The Spill. You'll find it very, very easily. There's, I think, about seven days left now in this campaign. If you want to get yeah. in on the action, it's already crushed their funding goal. So it's not a question of if you will get this game, you will get this game. It's just a matter of if you want to be part of this game. So once again, Andy, thanks for coming on the podcast, eh? And we'll get you back when you have your next uh, your next title. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. And uh, hello to all your all your uh, uh, people watching and listening. No worries. Cheers. You take care. <laughs> thank you. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply join the Facebook group Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.